Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, the NFL regular season is upon us, and we've got some special guests to bring you some of the latest insights. First, we'll be joined by the Patriots' former Pro Bowl tight end, Rob Gronkowski, as he advocates for CBD and talks about his life away from football. And then we'll be joined by Steve Levy, who will be at the mic doing the play-by-play for the second night game on the opening Monday night of the season, Broncos Raiders Steve Levy with the call. And then we'll be joined by the Washington Redskins offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, as he leads Case Keenum into Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. But first, joining us now, the former Patriots Pro Bowl tight end, three-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowl player, Rob Gronkowski. Rob, thank you very much for taking the time. Appreciate it. Notice you at the press conference this week to announce your partnership advocating for CBD products. And I'm curious if you could explain how you came to form this relationship to advocate for CBD. Oh, yes. Uh, it's what CBD Medic, uh, CBD Medic is the, uh, maker, the makers of it, is Abacus Health Products. And uh, how it formed, man, you know? Um, I was actually up at the lake, Lake Winnipesaukee, <laughs> up in New Hampshire, and uh, we were playing soccer. I was barefoot, and I absolutely stubbed three of my toes. And uh, my father... Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, when you stub your toes and you can barely, you know, it kills. And they're black and blue, just totally killing me. And my dad was like, hey, Rob, I try, try this cream out. Uh, use this cream. I've been using it for my back pain. I just put it on every day. So I put it on my toes, and instantly I got the relief that I was looking for. And then I could go throughout my whole day, rest of the day. So I actually kept continuing playing the soccer then and just kept going. And for five days straight, just apply it and uh you can put your shoes on, uh, do whatever I need to do, and it gives you that relief that you're looking for to go throughout the day that you need to do. So that's how it formed. Um, and then we got in contact with them, got in contact with C.L. Perry and everything else from there's history uh, with, with each other. So it was unbelievable. They're right down the street, 25 miles from me uh, mm. in Rhode Island. So couldn't work out any better, man. How much could that have helped you during the course of your career? You had nine surgeries, obviously dealt with a lot of pain, what could that have done for you during your career, Rob? Yes, definitely. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to you know make me like five more spectacular one-handed catches, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it could have helped. It could have helped me out big time during with some of the hits that you take. You know, you get you get huge bruises, you get the huge hits, um, and you know, you're just sitting in meetings and you're aggra- aggravated because your body just you know you just have that pain in you from the hits and everything. So it would have been huge just to be able to have it and just have been able to apply it during my career. So I could have just been comfortable throughout the day, you know, toss them on. You know, you sometimes you go out to practice and you got things that are aching on you uh, just because it's the game of football. Uh, it's, it's just it is what it is. So it would have been very nice to just apply it on it and go out to practice and just not have to worry about it. So when was that incident with your father that you began rubbing in your toes and you realized what it could do for you? When was that incident, Rob? Uh, that was actually over... Uh, the July 4th weekend, um, and I was up at Wake Winnipesaukee, and we had a couple friends. Um, I was with my girl. She was at, I was actually facing her. She's on another team, so it, it was getting competitive <laughs> because it, it was about – we were going full speed, and I, that was my first time playing soccer, too. I never played soccer before. Never played uh, soccer? Like that. No, I mean, I kicked the ball around um, back and forth and everything, but we were actually playing a game, and our net – you, you know those can jams? Yeah. The uh, can jams with the Frisbee? So we put the can jam down. So, like, you had to kick the soccer ball in the can jam. And literally the soccer ball was half the size of the can jam. So, like, to get in the net, you would just be jamming each other right in the front because you just stand right in front of the can jam. So, you know, just little games you make up when you're, when you're having fun at the lake house. If you had discovered these CBD products while you played, do you think there's any chance it might have prolonged your career? Um, you know, um, it, it would just help deal with the pain that you're going through. Um, I'm not saying that it's magic wonders and it's going to heal you. No, 
it promotes that, but uh, you still got to put the work in. You still got to do everything. You still got to be having that uh, healthy lifestyle to take away the pains and the aches. Uh, this just helps temporarily relieve the pain yep. that that you that you're dealing with. Uh, for example, uh, you gotta you gotta go get treatments. If you're gonna go get a massage, you got you took a huge hit. You can put this on uh, the CBD medic. Put it on. Get that relief that you're looking for. Then go get the treatment. So you don't have to deal with the aching pain and and the you know with your scrunting because you're hurting. So helps out big time. Um, it would have just helped out big time with the pain that you just deal with every week in and week out. But you still got to put that work in, and you, and you still got to get that grinding. I was surprised at your press conference to hear you say some of the words that you did, where you said, I want to be clear to my fans, I needed to recover. I was not in a good place. Football was bringing me down, and I didn't like it. Like, people think of you as always being in a good place. What, what was happening there that led you to be so emotional at that press conference? What was it that you endured that was so difficult, Rob? I, uh, you know, all the all the hits to the body. Like for the example, the hit that I took in the Super Bowl, uh, dude. For four weeks after that, you get in twenty minutes of sleep every night, uh, waking up every twenty minutes, and just in aching and aching and aches and pain, and, and not being able to sleep like that. And that's 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 brings it brings your emotions down. I mean, your energy is drained when you when you sustain an in, injury like that. No matter how positive you stay, um, it does affect you. Um, I mean, yes, I'm not saying I was, I was in a bad, bad place. I'm just saying to my standards, to where I want to be in life, uh, that joy was getting a little taken away from me. And I needed, I needed to just step away. Uh, you know, I, I got all the right tools around me, uh, whenever, whenever, whatever I need uh, to get back to where I need. And, uh, you know, I just have a high standard. I, I want that feeling good every single day and uh you know and that's where i'm headed to did you identify at all with what andrew luck what he said when he announced his retirement uh i, I definitely hit that subject and uh obviously he was in some pain you know, of what he said and everything and uh i definitely feel for him i feel for him for sure um and that that's exactly why i walked away from the game too uh because of those uh, feelings that he like he was having, I was kind of having similar feelings too. So, um, you know, I walked away though because I also know that there's uh, you can recover out there. Uh, you, for example, if you're in if you're, if you got that muscular pain, you got the arthritis, you got the joint pain, you can throw on the CBD medic right there, and then that's an example of you can just deal with the pain right there, and then you can go get the treatment. And go do the things that you want to do. Go get the right workout in so you can heal your body. Go get the massages in. For example, I go up to TB12. I go get my massages in. Go get my treatment in. And then it's pain-free. And then it works everything out. And then you can get back to where you want to get to. How do you feel today? Good? Healthy? Anything bothering you? No, man. I'm pain-free, dog. Uh, <laughs> you want to know something? Mr. Recovery. I really am. I am. I am Mr. Recovery. I'm pain-free. I'm ready to go. But, um, you know, I'm feeling good, man. I'm actually 20 pounds down right now, which I wouldn't say down. I just feel good. Um, you know, I actually got a little. I'm pain-free, but my quad actually still, no lie, still has scar tissue in it. Wow. I got to still get it worked out. Um, I, I'm working on it every day. Almost every day I, I put some work into my quad from the hit from the Super Bowl. It still has scar tissue. And wow. There's no more pain with, to deal with it because I, it's just it's just not just not there the pain anymore. But the scar tissue breaking up that's the only thing left on my body that I'm trying to smooth out so my whole entire body smooth and clean and, hmm. and flowing all together. How'd that 20 pounds come off? Was that just natural? Is it less lifting? Is it diet? What is that? You know, it's everything. It's a whole lifestyle. It's a uh, you know, I, I still lift. Um, I mean, I, I don't lift as much as I used to, but I lift with the correct form now, too, and I change up my workouts and uh, my diet, too, also. Uh, my diet changed tremendously. And uh, to lose it, I mean, I definitely started uh, di- knocking out my calories. But my calorie count was way down, um, and I started changing up my foods, too. I've been going all organic, and I've been doing a lot of plants and veggies. Wow. Uh, sometimes for dinner. I literally ate probably like 400 calories, and it was literally just veggies, carrots, cucumbers, uh, squash, you name broccoli, you name the veggies, and some, that's all I was eating for dinner some nights just so I can get off that weight. Because that weight I put on, yeah. that weight I had on, 
it was like bloated weight. That's what I felt like. It was like it wasn't like trim, muscular, good fat weight. And uh, maybe one day, um, I, I actually not maybe I know I'm going to put some weight back on, and I want to do it the healthy way because I was 260, 265 pounds leaving high school when I, uh, when I was 18 years old. I've never been under 260 since then. So that was when I was 18 years old, and now I am 30 years old. So 12 years later, I finally get under 260. And when I was that age, I didn't put it on the right way. I was eating everything in sight um, as an athlete and as an athlete that wants to keep on continuing his career or, <clears throat> or feeling good in his life, you got to do the things right. And that's what I figured out. Have you watched the Patriots at all during the preseason, Rob? Oh, yes. Um, I, I've watched actually two preseason games. Uh, I haven't seen any practice or anything. Um, but, I mean, I have a different perspective at it now. Um, I still got friends on the team, so it's cool. It's cool to just see them, and uh, I, I've seen two games so far. And when the season opens on Sunday and they play the Pittsburgh Steelers, what are your plans for that day? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know yet, man. That's in, that's in what? What's today? Friday, so that's in about nine more days, a week from this Sunday. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a special day, game, though, because uh, we got the banner drop. Uh, the team last year, Super Bowl champions, uh, we put in the work. We grinded last year. We we won that uh, we won that championship by all coming together as a team and doing what we need to do. And uh, so it, that's going to be a big night for Patriot fans and New England Nation, a hundred percent. So are you uh, going to the we'll game, see, man? Are you going? I to don't the know. Game? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you'll see. It's going to be a surprise. Ah. <laughs> well, we like surprises with Gronk. Is there any chance that you'll have another surprise for us later in the year? What happens if Tom calls you in December and says, Rob, come on, post-stretch run, playoffs, don't have to come back that much, you're feeling good, your toes are better from the CBD, your body feels better, <laughs> your, weight's, your weight's better. What do you say when Tom calls you, Rob? Yeah, I want to have, I want to be doing his treatments, getting his pliability. If he comes over and rubs some CBD medic on me, I'll feel twice as good then, and then I'll be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it'd be, hard, it'd be hard to turn down your friend and quarterback if he calls you late in the season. Oh, man, late in the season, I, I, there would have to be some rules. Like, all right, he calls me up back. So am I just showing up to the game? Like, you're going to give me the game game plan on Saturday? And then uh, do I have to stay at the hotel the night before? What if I just showed up to the game one day and, like, you know, did the transaction? Can you do that? Is that possible if I just showed up to a game? No practices, no nothing. I went over the script with Tom in my backyard on Saturday showed up to a game on Sunday and was ready to go. Yeah, How crazy I, would that be? I, I think you could do it, actually. You know, if, if, hey, why not? Uh, but, but you must off. get asked that all the time, right? Like people and, I just, see... and I just have like five plays in the game, and they're all just go routes, and he just launches up the ball five times to me. Yeah, you're, good, you're good with that. They'd be good with that, right? You can help. Yeah, there you go. Just throw me the ball five times. I got five plays. So, 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 what, so what is the answer on that? I know you've been asked it before, but... When it comes up and people say, any chance Rob comes back, what do we say? Oh, man. Uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, I mean, the, the only I, I talked about it already. I mean, the, I know I will be there physically to be able to play the game of football again. It, it's hands down. That's that's why I'm, I take, took off because I needed my body to recover. And I love being fit. I love staying in shape. And uh, that's that's not – a cause. I know physically um, I'll be able to be there uh, for sure. And um, that it, it's just that if I have that desire to come back and play, I'm, I'm truly enjoying my time off, uh, truly enjoying what I found, getting into business. I got a lot of things dropping in the next couple of weeks with my brothers, with my family, a lot of business stuff, and I'm really staying busy with it. It's not like I'm not waking up with a passion. I'm waking up to get things done um, every single morning uh, to work out get my body right, and then do some business ventures every day. So I'm really, truly enjoying it. And then if I truly have that desire, I'm, like, I feel like my, my name is getting called uh, and, I, and it, there's a passion within inside me, and, then that, that's the, and it's a consistent one, then that's the time I, I would entertain of coming back. And all it would take is Tom rubbing some CBD on you. That's it. 
There we yeah, go. Yeah, that might be. Uh, but hey, Adam, you can come over too, and so you can highlight that on your podcast. Like, oh, Tom, that's a good rub right there. <laughs> hey, you know what? You you let me know if he's willing to do it. We'll shoot it. We'll get footage of that. We'll promote the heck out of CBD. That'll be the biggest boon ever. So if you're going to come back for that, and he's going to rub it in you, we're all over that, Gronk. I promise you. Enjoy your peace. Enjoy your rest. It is well deserved. And like I said, you let us know when we're ready for the CBD rub down later in the season. All right, Adam. Keep breaking some news, baby. <laughs> You're the best, Gronk. I appreciate you. Football fans, my job is to get news around the league. And here's some. Vivid Seats is offering ESPN fans 10% off football tickets, but you have to act fast. Head to vividseats.com and enter promo code ESPN at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Vivid Seats is the official ticket partner of ESPN, and with their 100% buyer guarantee, there's no reason to miss a game this year. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. So head to VividSeats.com, get off the couch, and get into the action. Your team needs you. Joining us now, my colleague, my friend, who will be a part of the Monday night broadcast on the opening Monday night of the season, Raiders Broncos. He'll be doing the play-by-play, Steve Levy, along with Lewis Riddick, Brian Greasy, Laura Rutledge on the sideline. And Steve, thank you for joining the podcast. Shefty, you left out the fact we went to high school together too, sort of. <laughs> well, I buried the lead there, right? Same <laughs> high school. We were, we were Cougars. Belmore, JFK on the south shore of Long Island. Same high school as Amy Fisher. Who else went to our <laughs> high school, Steve? Um, well, Entourage, our boy Doug Ellen. Doug Ellen went to our high school. And uh, Kenny Dichter, of course, wheels up. Never would forget Kenny Dichter, the great Kenny Dichter. I kind of feel like we're the fearsome foursome, much like the Los Angeles Rams defensive front of the <laughs> 60s and 70s. Uh, that's the only Hall of Fame I'm ever going to get into, brother, so I'm pretty well, proud of that. We were honored to go into the Belmore JFK Hall of Fame, Wall of Fame, whatever you call it, the same night, <laughs> which was an awesome night, by the way. It was the night that I actually got the news that RG3 was being traded to the Washington Redskins. And coming off a recent time where I drew some criticism for not holding a story, held that story, and it blew up a few days later. So that's what happens when you hold news, right, Steve? Honestly, Shefty, that is the takeaway from my one night of celebration going into my high school Hall of Fame is watching you handle that situation and, you know, when people ask me about you and, you know, how difficult your job is and, you know, honor all the times, here you are about to be honored. But watching you go through the emotions of getting it, do I use it, can I use it, based on my relationship with the sources and, and, uh, and the respect that all your sources obviously have for you, and it's obviously paid off for you over the years. Uh, but watching you go through that was really uh, very eye-opening for me. That was, that's, my, that's my takeaway from my Hall of Fame night. And holding you. it and getting beat on it, by the way, I should add that, too. Yeah, well, you, I think you know you play by a different set of rules, and people have different standards, and uh, and it's it's working for you, I would say, brother. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So let's get back to you. So you're doing yeah. the Monday night football game, Broncos yeah. Raiders, Week One. How big a thrill is this for you to be a part of Monday night football on the opening week? You know, it's only starting to set in now, really, as we as we inch closer to this. Uh, I was obviously thrilled when I when I got the news. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the iconic position, really, in, in, in broadcasting, Monday Night Football. It's, it's funny, right, Adam? People associate me with hockey first, right? <laughs> well, I think you have to look at the place I work, the place we work. When I got to ESPN, we had the hockey rights. Yeah. Uh, that was an avenue for me to go. Uh, there, we only have one NFL seat, right? We only get one game, and there's only one NFL seat, and that's that's the Monday Night Football seat. So that that opportunity never presented itself uh, prior to this. But I've always been a a huge NFL fan, right up there with hockey, and and people don't know that about me. And in fact, much bigger fan of pro football than college football. Yet I do college every Saturday, and that's because you know we own college football, right? We have every single game, so that opportunity exists. So uh, I am thrilled. Uh, I wonder when it will set in. Everybody talks about, you know, I'll be hearing the music and, you know, trying not to fall off my chair and try to remember to say my name and all that kind of stuff. And, and part of me wants to come on and say, hey, you know, it's me. I'm just living the dream, which I really am uh, at that point. But I'm, I'm really going to try to stay focused and keep it the football and, and distribute to my two great partners, uh, 
uh, Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick. We're, well, we're all really fired up for the game. You've worked with another partner, Barry Melrose, covering every Stanley Cup final for ESPN since 1995. Is there any chance that we throw Brian Greasy out of the booth in favor of Barry Melrose to have him work with you that night just to be comfortable? Well, if it was a, it was a hair situation, uh, you'd have to give the advantage to Melrose, there's no doubt. Uh, Greece and I are going into our fourth year together doing college. Uh, we do the Broncos preseason package together as well. Uh, so I, I've been very lucky to have great partners uh, over the years in, in every sport and really even sitting on the Sports Center desk. Uh, I've really gotten along with just about every single one of them, and they've gone on to become, you know, really close friends as opposed to just, you know, good colleagues. And so Greasy certainly fits into that category. You mentioned the Broncos preseason package. So, first of all, you must spend a lot of time in Denver here during the summer, right? Yep. You're there right now as we're talking, right? Correct. Are you a sushi eater, Steve? Uh, I do enjoy sushi, sure. You, while you're in Denver, make sure you get to Sushi Den. But that's an aside for another day. Put that Wait, down. It's called, it's called Sushi Den? Oh, my God, Steve. When I lived there for 15 years, I would eat there two, three nights a week. <laughs> You know, usually these sushi places have like a fancy no, name. It's just Sushi no, Den. I like it. Sushi Make sure you go. Make sure you go. That is, I'm on it. That is, oh boy, if I had one meal left, that might be my meal, Stephen. You will wow, thank me. Wow, that's quite that a will thank you. you will thank me after you go. But anyway, so you've done the Broncos preseason games. You've met with the coaches, talked to the players. What is your takeaway of these Broncos as you head into the Monday night game with Denver and Oakland? My takeaway, uh, Shefty, is it's so much about the coaches, and that concerns me. Uh, I'm in the rare minority, and hear me out. I, I feel for the most part that coaching is overrated, okay? And again, not, un, not, not unimportant, just overrated, specifically when it comes to basketball, uh, managers in baseball, coaching in hockey. Uh, I don't feel that way in, in football. I, I might even be underrated in football, but there's so much talk about the change Vic Fangio with the Broncos, what he has meant there, changing of the coordinators, uh, a first-year play caller uh, on the offensive side with a veteran quarterback now in Joe Flacco. That's an interesting you know, juxtaposition right there. And it's so much about the coaches and not as much about the players, and I think that's a concern. Um, and we'll see. You know, look, the coaches can do just so much, right? They can put the players in the right position, have them prepared, but in the end the players have to make the plays. And uh, – and I would think that that's a concern. We, we just been, we, we've seen so much vanilla out of the Broncos offense. Flacco in that first unit, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, they've played so little. I think they've accounted for two field goal drives so far in the first three preseason games. It's a, it's a great unknown. Uh, we certainly know how good that defense will be, and I think Bradley Chubb is poised for a monster year. What storylines in this game are we – most looking forward to seeing. You just talked about the coaches, Vic Fangio making his NFL coaching debut, head coaching debut for the Denver Broncos, John Gruden on the sideline for the Oakland Raiders, but is there a storyline that you're most looking forward to in this particular game? To me, uh, other than the Cleveland Browns, I think the most interesting team coming into this season is the Oakland Raiders. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was even before Hard Knocks picked them with Antonio Brown. Uh, I think there's just so much juice to the Raiders in this, their final season in Oakland before heading off to Vegas. And uh, it's just, it's the great unknown. And, and, and what stands out to me, Shefty, this to me might be the most important opening week game for these two teams. And I say that because if you look at that division, right, the Chiefs and Chargers are, are head and shoulders above. There's a definite line of demarcation, right, between the top two and the bottom two. And when these teams, I know the fans do it, they look at their schedule and they circle this, I guarantee you Broncos country is counting on the Raider game as a victory. Because if the Broncos can't beat the Raiders in the division, who are they going to beat? And I guarantee you the Raiders are thinking that exact same thing. This Broncos game, we're at home, has to be a victory. If the Raiders can't beat the Broncos at home, who are they going to beat? And again, because the division is so tough. And I, I think that adds to, uh, to the intrigue, which is already the most played Monday night football rivalry in history. I've got a Bronco in the booth with me. I've got a Raider in the booth with me. Mm. We're in the Black Hole, which is one of the few NFL stadiums I've never been to. The last time we'll see a, a Raider game, a home game on Monday Night Football, the last time we'll see dirt on a field, right, because the Raiders, yeah. uh, the Coliseum is the last remaining uh, dual sports stadium. And uh, so there's, you know, there's a lot of storylines up and down, but I think it's still success. These are two very proud franchises uh, that have gone years, and obviously the Raiders a lot longer than the Broncos uh, without success. 
you mentioned the fact that you've done college football the last four years with Brian Greasy. I should ask you, how does the familiarity of these players from calling college games the last few years help your preparation for this particular game, Steve? Definitely does help. It's, it's amazing. And quite frankly, watching the draft, you know, I, I can't believe, you know, the, the first round, you get all the household names in the first round of the NFL draft. But you get, you know, you get after that, and uh, people, some, you know, if you're not a real draft pick, you could lose some interest. You don't know many of these players. And I feel like, you know, we're in the third round. Fourth, I know these guys. I know what this guy does well. And so it's, uh, it's definitely aided me. The college game is so interesting, Adam. It, it, it's a mess, and I say that in the nicest way, right? The, the college game is messy. A, it's like there's another quarter because the games go three hours and 45 minutes, and it's just so unpredictable and all over the place. And you know why that is? Because these are college kids. And as uh, my sports center colleague John Anderson was fond of saying, you know, in college I couldn't even find my car keys, you know, let alone play in front of 100,000 people and try to figure out an offense or a defense. So, and in comparison, the NFL game, you know, as, as half the players, there's, there's only one backup at each position. And in college, you know, I'm worried about 100 guys. Uh, four different players have the same exact number on each team. So that presents its own special teams challenges when trying to call a game. But it does, uh, it does bleed over. It has definitely helped me with the NFL preparation, uh, seeing these guys in college. And uh, the NFL is a cleaner game. I think the NFL is a game is an easier game to call. Um, you never have to look down. You know all the NFL players, certainly all the stars. They play the whole game for the most part. And, uh, you know, the, co- the college game is really a coach's game, I think, because yeah. the coaches are the one with all the power. The coach is the one that, that stick around uh, all these years. And, um, you know, in the NFL, the players sort of have the leverage. Who's the one guy in the college game the last four years or so, Steve, that you saw that you said, man, I can't wait to watch this guy on the next level because I think he's got a real chance to make a real impact. Is there one guy that stood out to you like that? You know, I'm trying to think. We've seen so many players uh, at so many different places. You know, it's the, these Clemson defensive players, like yeah. they, they've sort of had an NFL defensive line these last two years. You know, you talked about a Raiders storyline, Cleveland Furl, like he'd be an interesting guy to watch, you know. Like he was so good at, at the Clemson level. Um, and we've seen them in so many big games. Uh, the translation from the college game to the pro game uh, is stunning. Um, I'm always watching for these for these younger players to see who can really stand out. And it's funny, like, you know, they don't dominate right away. I got, I got a chance to see, you know, Kyler Murray uh, a lot in college. And uh, I was amazed by the fact that the speed that he could he could get away. He was really untouched in college. And, and part of that's by design, by the way. He slides down a lot. He runs out of bounds a lot. And uh, his speed allows him to uh, evade tacklers. You know, and, and that great was coaching. Game. And great coaching. Yes, and great coaching, of course. Um, but, you know, the NFL guys, are you know, he's not going to be able to run away from some of these uh, defensive backs, even some of these line, linebackers in the NFL. So I, I think the, that makes Arizona so interesting to watch. I know it's been a dreadful preseason. Actually, the whole NFL preseason has been dreadful. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like there's more negative chatter about the NFL preseason this time around than in previous years, or is it just that it's freshest in our memory? Because I do not. I, I feel, I, I, I feel no. like it's just, you know, people are just crushing it. No, I don't feel that way because I feel like it's gotten ripped for years, that fans are being ripped off for paying regular season prices when they shouldn't have to. What I think is more interesting, and I don't view it necessarily in, well, it is a negative, but... I think there's more discussion of the preseason being more irrelevant than ever before. And I just think people have come to expect this the last decade or so. Nobody likes the preseason, but this is a preseason more than any other where coaches are holding out players in week three, which used to be the biggest dress rehearsal there was for the regular season. And it's almost accepted that certain stars and certain teams are not going to put their guys out there under any cost at any moment during the preseason, further illuminating the fact that in the next round of CBA talks that the NFL and the NFL Players Association have to reduce, if not eliminate, the preseason, period. You know, and it's, it's hard to argue with some of them, right? So Sean McVay, in his, in his third year, he has never played a starter in a single preseason Correct. game. And, you know, how do you argue with his success? Matt and Nagy then there's Bill the Belichick, Matt Nagy who played Chicago. Tom Brady into the second quarter last week. Yeah. Well, Belichick played him, Andy Reid played him, some of the right. newer guys, 
a la Sean McVay and Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. They haven't played them. And I, I really think it's almost like an old school versus new school approach. And I don't know what's right and I don't know what's not right. But they are two different approaches and it seems like the McVay, Nagy, other approach is catching on more than the Belichick Reed approach in the preseason to me. You know, and, and what's also catching up or catching fire, if you will, is uh, these joint practices. I think Correct. more teams are going to them. And I was, I had the benefit of just fluke luck. I happened, you know, going out to train some training camps and I've had the chance to see like two different uh, joint practice sessions. So I get to see four different teams. And really, from my perspective, your head's on a swivel. I mean, you're looking at two fields, and every other, you know, every five seconds is a new snap, and it's good on good, you know, and it's, it's 180 it's players. And you can, yeah, and you can script everything so you can see them in, in different situations, different kind of blitzes, different clock management late in the game, those kinds of things. And yet, then there's Vic Fangio, who I guess you would describe as old school, who says the issue he has with the joint practices, there's no tackling. Okay, so there's no it's all thud, right? One bump and you're done, theoretically. So you can't evaluate tackling, which is still to this day rather important in the NFL. So a fan Joe actually seems to be a fan of of the four preseason games for evaluation purposes. And this year it's a it's a fifth preseason game because the Broncos played in the in the Hall of Fame game. Uh I should also ask you, while I have you, what is your biggest memory of watching Monday Night Football while you were growing up, Steve, now that you're a part of it here? You know, everybody goes to that iconic music, and it is that. Uh, I think back in the day, and this will document how old I am, and therefore you are too, uh, <laughs> was the halftime highlights, right? Back Love in the that. day, you didn't have them anywhere else. There Love was it. no, you know, there was no prime time, even going way back. And uh, you sort of had to wait for the halftime highlights with the great music of Howard Cosell. And uh, I remember that that being great. I remember it was special, right? It was it was special. It was a nighttime game. Oh, yeah. if, you, if your folks let you stay up, like I have, I have young kids. My daughter's nine. My boys are seven, and I let them watch the first quarter of Monday Night Football every Monday. And it's, I think my daughter, she's not that into it. She's like staying up, staying up later. But her brothers are really into it, and they get a kick out of the music and the uniforms and the great production. And uh, but it's always been special. I, I, even with the emergence of Sunday night football, and we know all about the scheduling and the flexing and into that. Um, I think there's always something special about Monday night. Uh, that's a week a week night game, and uh, there's just something about those words Monday night football. Wait, so here's the big question now. Yeah, is, is your daughter and your two sons are they staying up to watch your game? Being that it's the second game. So the right, it's the nightcap, right? So I, I actually out of so here's the truth on that. I, I have really thought this through, right? Yeah. Like. Uh, you know, my sister said she'd come over, my folks would come over and bring the kids. Our game is not going to kick until, you know, 10, 10 15, yeah. 10, 20 in the East, okay? Now, that's if the first game doesn't go longer and push us, you know, to ESPN 7 or something. And, and if, if, if the, if the game, if kickoff is, is joined in progress, then we won't even have it on camera, so they won't even see me. If we do get on camera, it's for about 30 seconds. So I wonder what the overall value risk reward is in that regard. I'll probably just DVR it, and you know I can fast forward to my you know my two on cameras for the. You know kids. what I would so say? That, I would that's say. What do you ask? Because I did think about that. I would say that there aren't many times that you get to do the opening Monday Night Football game of the year for all right. the reasons that you laid out with the Raiders. And I would say to your daughter and your two boys, you get a hall pass tonight. You're going to get to yep. stay up late. And you're yep. going to get to watch Daddy do Monday Night Football live. Let him do it, Steve. Come on. Who cares if they're cranky at school on Tuesday? Uh, certainly not Certainly not me. Their <laughs> teachers might care, but I certainly don't. And uh, I think you're right. And there's always one first. And, you know, who knows if I get this opportunity again. And uh, I think you're right. I think I'm going to pull the trigger on that. Make yeah, that there we go. I'm glad we got them to stay up late. And I apologize to the teachers <laughs> in their respective schools for allowing them to do that for the grumpiness that they'll bring to school. On yeah, I, I will forward those emails from the teacher to you. And you can tweet them out for me, too, okay? <laughs> fair, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Before I let you go. I yeah. would like to ask, you've been at ESPN so long. You were honored uh, for your 25 years as a sports center anchor last August in 2018. So I guess you've been there 26-plus years now. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, so ESPN's about to celebrate its 40th birthday right now. What's, yeah. cha- what's changed the most in your time at ESPN, and what's been your favorite thing about working at our company? So, um, you know, I've always made my bread and butter in the studio, and so so – being a sports center anchor, that's that's really what's changed the most, Shefty. Back in the day, 
before ESPN2 even existed. Forget about .com and radio and news and all that stuff. Uh, I was on a two, you know, we didn't have ESPN Los Angeles back in the day. And so I was doing the 2.30 a.m. Eastern show, all right? 2.30 a.m. Eastern, and it was a 30-minute sports center. And on that show, during the summer and baseball season, we got every single score in. And I mean a full-page score panel with facts and figures, okay? Every single game made the show. And now, on a Sunday night, 11 o'clock, We'll do a 90-minute show, and I would say half the games never make our show. And so that's the amazing difference because the show has gone to so much more news and information um, and feature and long, uh, long type pieces, you know, human interest. Uh, you'll see on the Sunday night the great uh, uh, we'll tug at your heartstrings kind of emotional pieces, you know, Tom Rinaldi stuff, 11 minutes. Uh, my wish, those kinds of things. So that's really, I think, where the show has changed. You know, back in the day, they used to blame us for uh, for foul shooting uh, percentages being way down because you know, sports center we never show the you know nobody, we don't show foul shots, right? We only show crazy dunks or you know wild three point shots. We never show a chest pass. So people would blame sports center because of the lack of you know, ability for the for the more mundane kind of skills. And that, that sort of went to every sport. So, um, because, you know, everybody wants to be on the sports center top ten. So uh, that's how the show has evolved now. Also, there's there's much less writing now, Shefty. We, uh, mm. Maybe I write one thing every every show. Uh, the rundown is, is virtual garbage. We throw it away. I, the poor producers, they put a rundown in. We never follow it. Never, yeah. ever, ever follow it. Uh, we are on the fly, off the cuff. Uh, I think we laugh a lot more than we used to, too. We're genuinely trying to have a good time. And it's the philosophy, right? Because now you can get the highlights and the scores, you know, wherever and whenever you want them. So we have to, we have to do things differently. And, um, and so we have. And in terms of a highlight, bud, uh, there's no doubt, and I was with Stuart Scott, and he also agreed the highlight uh, always was um, in the mid-'90s, I guess. We went to, uh, to Kuwait. To, wow. to be with the troops, to Camp Arif, John. Wow. And, um, and we had an opportunity to spend a week there and bring Sports Center to them, sort of our Bob Hope moment, if you will. Hmm. And it wasn't political in any way. We were simply there to try to bring a slice of Americana uh, to the troops because they couldn't get to us. And it was, uh, it was a special, special week. Uh, I was pretty patriotic before that trip, but uh, more so after that. Uh, the sacrifices these uh, brave men and women in uniform make every single day, the conditions they work and live under. And um, I'll leave you with this last story. We showed up, we rolled in on a bus, and uh, the, the auditorium, whatever room they had set up for our studio, was packed. And we're like, wow, all these people came to see us. And it wasn't that at all. The <laughs> troops were all assembled in this room to watch a preseason game. They were, we were, they were taking the ESPN feed. And they showed up with non-alcoholic beer, of course, and popcorn, and signs, and uniforms, and banners. And again, it was just, it was a break from their normal day-to-day -day, uh, to enjoy themselves like they would have had they been back home with their friends and families and loved ones watching NFL football on a big TV screen. And, and we were able to bring that to them. So that's, I don't think there's anything I can do that will top that, uh, not even Monday Night Football, and that will always be the highlight of my, my ESPN career. Path. Wow. Oh, so already proclaiming that is the highlight. So the troops had no problems with preseason football, correct? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, they, listen, they wanted any opportunity. Just be regular, you know? Yeah. They wanted to just live a regular, like, Sunday, just like, you know, everybody here in the States is able to do. You watch your favorite football team on TV, and, uh, and they loved it, and we, you know, I mean, our hearts just broke just watching them enjoy what we obviously all take for granted on a regular basis, right? Hmm. Unbelievable. Well, that's a great story, Steve. I appreciate you spending some time today. And, there you go. Uh, and thank you again for that. Thank you for the time today. We'll be watching you opening Monday night. You, Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick, Laura Rutledge calling the Broncos Raiders on Monday Night Football with your three children staying up late to watch it. Yes, Thanks very much. Exactly. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I can tell them they can thank uh, Uncle Shefty. Yes, please do that. Thanks so much. Hey, All have right, a great game, up. Steve. Thanks for the time today. Really appreciate it. Talk soon.
All right, we now bring in the Washington Redskins offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell. The Redskins get ready to open the season Sunday in Philadelphia against the Eagles. And Jay Gruden made the announcement last week that Case Keenum will be starting the opening game for Washington. So, Kevin, I guess I would start there and ask you, what has Case shown you since he became a member of the Redskins and throughout training camp? Well, I think it goes back to even, you know, before that when we first made the trade to bring him in, and then obviously we get him in the building to start the off-season program. Um, from day one, Case has been uh, a tremendous asset to us, not only in the quarterback room, but for our offense. Uh, just a true pro. Uh, his experience on the field the past few years, the success he's had. Obviously, we studied him a lot um, even before acquiring him, but over the past couple years, studying him for free agency and things like that, even after his year in Minnesota and and then obviously last year after his year in, in Denver, I've seen a lot of him on tape and a lot of those things, uh, positives that you saw, have really been validated getting him in the building, um, both as a quarterback and, and his physical skill set and what he brings to the table, but also just his leadership and his presence on a daily basis. Um, it's, it's been really good for the entire offense and, and really helped our football team and, 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 and really you know our entire quarterback room with a young quarterback like Dwayne in there and, and Colt, who's a guy, Colt McCoy, who's a guy with experience in the system, but maybe not the experience uh, that Chase has had the last few years actually playing. Um, I think all three of those guys in that room, it's been fun to watch those guys kind of come together and compete, but also, you know, grow and, and learn from one another and, and kind of grow in that quarterback room setting, which is really, really important for an offense. You bring up your rookie quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, and while there's a lot of discussion about Case Keenum in Sunday's game in Philadelphia, there's a lot of anticipation and expectation for Dwayne Haskins. What has what has he shown you throughout the summer, Kevin? Well, kind of like what we what I talked about with Case in, in evaluating a free agent or a potential player you're going to trade for, uh, multiply that by 10 sometimes with the draft. We get a lot of time to really study um, all of the, in my new role, all of the offensive positions that I, that we looked at pre-draft. And uh, Dwayne is everything that showed up on tape from his time at Ohio State and obviously having a relationship with Ryan Day, the head coach there. Um, a lot of the things he talked about before the draft um, have been validated from a physical standpoint. I mean, he's a very, very talented passer. Uh, his arm talent is, is, is exceptional, and I think that's going to be something that will, uh, you know, continue to, to help him as he builds uh, on on his early experience here in the NFL, um, but Dwayne's been he's been great for us. He's worked very hard, uh, but it's been a it's obviously a transition for a rookie quarterback, and we've had a you know a system here with Coach Gruden now going on uh, six years, and and with some veteran quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith that have have uh, that have played in this system during my time here. Um, it's it's an accelerated learning process for a young player, and and Dwayne. Uh, has a tremendous skill set, tr- tremendous talent to build off of, uh, but he still is a young player. He didn't play a ton at Ohio State, although he played at a very high level. Um, he's still learning the position, learning the game, learning the nuances of protections and, and uh, defense at this level. Uh, when, we, w- when we got Dwayne in in the spring, um, he's been great. Uh, his work ethic on a daily basis, what we've asked of him, has, has been exactly what we wanted, and we just hope he continues to build on that. And he's got a couple veterans in that quarterback room right now uh, to really learn from on a preparation basis, uh, how he's going to prepare for each and every Sunday. And, and when the time's right for Dwayne, uh, we're very, very excited about him as a player and, and eventually becoming our starting quarterback for this team. Kevin, I have to ask you, you get promoted to the Redskins offensive coordinator for this season. You spent the last two years as the Redskins quarterback coach in 2017 and 2018 offensive assistant with the Niners in 16. But there in Washington, the Redskins have had an unbelievable tradition here of pumping out offensive coordinators who have gone on to become head coaches. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. They've scattered elsewhere and gone on to great things. What does it mean to you to be in that position now as offensive coordinator for Washington? Yeah, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm very aware, aware of the guys that have had that role before me. Um, and, and obviously those are tremendous shoes to fill, not only uh, when you watch it, what they've done as head coaches, but what they did as, as in that role here in Washington. Uh, but more so than anything, just with our, our head coach here, Jay Gruden, I have so much respect for him and I've learned so much from him in the, 
in the three years that I've been here um, that I just want to do the best possible job in this role that I can for for, for Coach. And, and obviously he does a, a tremendous job running the entire organization, but from a standpoint of, uh, of running our offense, I just want to be continue to be a sounding board for him as the play caller, but also continue to help him in any way, shape, or form as far as maybe new ideas and, and new things to help us take our offense to the next level and make sure that we're putting our, our skill players and our offensive group in the best possible situation to, to have success on Sundays. And whatever that may be and, and whatever experience uh, I can call upon, whether it be my time in New England or New York as a player uh, or uh, early on in my career here as a coach, um, uh, understanding that whatever we need to do on Sundays to have success, how to coach it, how to install it, how to coach it to our players that they can learn it and then apply it on Sundays. Um, that's been kind of our goal throughout the offseason, and, and Coach has been phenomenal. Our group's been really, really solid this offseason and, and through training camp. I'm just excited to kind of turn these guys loose and see where we can take this offense this year. You bring up your playing career in New England and New York, and we'll get to that in a moment, and you bring up your coaching career. And the list of quarterbacks that you've worked with in coach is incredible because you work with Johnny Mansell in Cleveland in 2015, Colin Kaepernick, San Francisco 2016, all the quarterbacks there who've come through Washington, Kirk Cousins, Alex Smith, now Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy. Is there anything that ties these guys together? Is there anything that you've learned from this eclectic group of quarterbacks that has influenced your philosophy today? I think more so than anything, it's it's a matter of, of once you realize that a guy loves football, loves playing the position, um, and loves the the aspect of, of playing quarterback in the NFL. Whether you're the, you know, whether you're a guy like Alex Smith who had come off some tremendous years in Kansas City and 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 kind of was in a new environment and just watching him uh, mold and adapt to that to to uh, Kirk Cousins from my first year uh, first year here um, in. Uh, 2017 and and just watching a, a guy a very talented player kind of continue to grow into his own and eventually uh watching him move on and and, and become uh what he's become in minnesota and i still obviously have a relationship with him to this day um i think you take a little bit of uh, of all those guys i mean you mentioned colin in san francisco and just watching his physical skill set and what he was able to kind of bring in the chip kelly offense to Johnny Manziel as a young player, just trying to help him turn the corner um, and continuing to grow every day with a guy like Josh McCown in the quarterback room. Especially for me as a young coach, I think of that quarterback room early on. Um, and I still remember those guys on a daily basis challenging me to become a better coach and, and, and kind of set the table for kind of the next four or five years what they've become for me. So uh, all those guys, all that you mentioned, when you say them all in the same breath, I I can remember individual experiences with all those guys, um, and I'm thankful to have coached, uh, you know, some some really good players, but really good people as well that uh, helped me become a, the coach that I am today. And it's continuing. I still consider myself a young coach that just tries to bring a lot of energy every day and, and continue to learn and 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 apply my not only the experiences that I've had in some great systems and, and as a player and a coach with some great head coaches and offensive coordinators that I've played for and coached with. Uh, but also trying to become uh, one of those people on a daily basis. And, and the one the one characteristic, Adam, is just the ability uh, to, to bring juice and energy and, and, and try to make everybody, either coaches or players around you, uh, the best possible players or coaches that they can be, because I think that only helps uh, the entire organization, no matter who you are or what your role is. And, and that's definitely something that I learned from all those guys. And your first coaching job was with the Browns as their quarterbacks coach in 2015. You coached Josh McCown. Would you ever have imagined that in week one you would be your team would be going up against a Josh McCown team in the Philadelphia Eagles? I texted him soon as that soon as that news uh, kind of broke. That the first and foremost, I was excited to see him on TV because I thought <laughs> he'd be really, really good and will be good at that job whenever he decides to do that again. But I never doubt Josh and. Um, I, 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 the Eagles were very smart to bring in a player like that. He's going to help their entire organization. But selfishly, obviously, uh, you know, being here in Washington, and uh, I texted him, did it just? Did it have to be Philly? Did it have to be the Eagles? <laughs> uh, but uh, it'll be great to see him week one. Um, I, I really care about Josh, and, and like I said, he's one of those guys that I will always 
uh, remember coaching early on in my career because although he was older than me at the time and, and obviously still is, but um, he the second he realized that maybe hey this, this this kid can help me, it didn't matter if I was you know I think 29 or 30 at the time, whatever I was, um, it didn't matter that I was younger than him. All he cared about was did I love football? Could I help him on Sundays? And and was I gonna do everything I can to help him? Uh, have success, and once he realized that, um, he embraced me like like uh, I was, uh, you know, 30, 30, 40 years in this profession, and, and I really, really respect Josh from that. And like I said, the Eagles got a good one. Uh, Carson Wentz in that quarterback room and Press Taylor there um, in Philadelphia. I, you know, I, I imagine when, when I catch up with those, that they're all going to say how excited they are and lucky to have Josh there. So your first game as offensive coordinator, Kevin, will be up against the Philadelphia Eagles. What strikes you? about their defense? Oh, just top to bottom. I mean, they are as talented as any defense in the NFL um, at all three levels. When you think about their front with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and, and, and these guys that they constantly rush the passer. They, they, they're incredibly difficult to block in the running game and passing game. Um, their linebackers uh, are very talented. I mean, Nigel Bradham to me is a guy that's uh, pretty underrated in this league as far as his ability to be a, a three-down linebacker. Uh, obviously, Zach Brown was here in Washington, so his physical skill set I, I got to see firsthand for a couple years here. Um, and then you look at that secondary with Malcolm Jenkins at the strong safety position. Uh, and I, I don't know, uh, besides the guy maybe we signed here in free agency in, in Landon Collins, I don't know if there is a better safety in our in our league as far as consistency and, and his ability to uh, constantly be in the right place at the right time, making plays, his preparation and experience, um, I, I think shows up each, each and every Sunday. I know uh, coaching against him, you're always worried about where number 27 is and, and, and how we can hopefully limit his impact on the game, but it's very difficult to do uh, because, like I said, his experience and, and his ability to make plays um, in the run and pass game uh, constantly keeps you up at night as a coach. And, and then they've got some talented safeties around them that they, uh, that, that they allow to roam and make plays. And then their corners um, are always guys that they're willing to put in man coverage or willing to put out there on an island for a reason. They get, the guys can make plays, and, and, and they're, not willing to, they're, they're absolutely willing to come up and make a tackle in the run game. So physicality, speed, um, obviously, uh, Jim Schwartz have, has done a tremendous job with that defense, and they present a great, great challenge every time we play them, and we're always trying to figure out ways uh, to attack those guys, but it, it's difficult because they are a great, great group, and they've been consistent now uh, throughout my entire time here in Washington. They've been one of the better defenses we consistently see. You've got the offensive coordinator thing down to a science there, Kevin. You, you've mastered praising everybody on the opposing defense. You've got this. Well, this is all you. It's, I, I'll tell you what, Adam. It's not hard to do, and <laughs> and they're they're uh, like I said, we've we've had our sights set on those guys. So uh, I, I I wish it wasn't the case, but it absolutely is the case. They they deserve all the praise that they get, and uh, we're hoping to uh, we're hoping to have our, our best possible foot forward here this Sunday. Now, for those who don't know, you were a third round pick in the 2008 NFL Draft, and the New England Patriots wound up drafting you. You spent your season there backing up Tom Brady and then Matt Castle in the year that Brady hurt his knee. What do you think of the idea that Brady is still playing at the age of 42? Would you ever have thought that when the Patriots drafted you back in the 2008 season? <laughs> you know what? I, I can remember being there and, and you know, in one of the early conversations I, I had with Tom there, even as a young player, you're asking a thousand questions, probably too many questions. <laughs> Um, but, but he was always so good about, you know, answering those questions. And he was even at that point in time, um, which seems like so, so long ago, um, he was already, I, I can remember asking him how long he planned to play. And I think he told me into his, you know, mid forties or whatever he said, I, I don't exactly remember what he said, but I remember kind of chuckling at the time. Um, but, and he kept a straight face. So, so he had these, he had his eyes, his sights set on, playing this long, uh, a long, long time ago, and I think that's what makes him so special is he's dedicated um, his entire uh, off-seasons and his entire preparation to the longe longevity of playing at a Hall of Fame level for so, so long, and he deserves all the credit. He, he sacrifices a lot to make it happen each and every season, 
Um, and, and I just, uh, as far as the standard for the position, I don't know uh, if there's anybody else uh, that you can really look at and say uh, is a better example for what this quarterback position is in the NFL. There's a lot of talented guys. There's so many good quarterbacks right now in our league, but um, you said it, Adam. I mean, he's, I'm now six years into my coaching career, <laughs> and, and, he's, and he's still going strong. Uh, somehow making it to Super Bowls and taking that team that team uh, year in and year out to uh, to very very high level. So between him and obviously Coach Belichick there, uh, that's a very very special organization that's had a lot of success. And Tom's now got his own coaching tree. He's been playing for so long. He's got you as the offensive coordinator in Washington. He's got Cliff Kingsbury, another former Patriots backup quarterback, as the head coach in Arizona. That tells you a little bit about how long Tom has been around, that he now has his own little coaching tree sprouting up around the NFL. There's no doubt. My son my son turns five this year, and I wouldn't put it past him um, at some point. Uh, if my my son ends up playing against Tom, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me at this point with, with, with how it's gone. But in all, you, you said it, in all seriousness, he is, he is really, really, uh, you know, having been in, shared a locker room and a quarterback room with him even for a short amount of time, um, he he did in fact make me a a better player, a better and and a better coach, no doubt. From my time I was able to spend around him. You brought up Bill Belichick there as well. What did you learn from him that you were able to take with you once you left that organization? Just the standard, uh, the the standard of 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 what it's like to be part of a team like that. Um, what top to bottom, everybody, every man on that roster. Um, from the time you report to training camp through the end of the season. Um, the goals are clearly set and defined. Your role, no matter what it is, um, to help the team win um, is clearly set out in front of you. And no matter what, uh, that, that team comes to work each and every day and, and puts in a full, day, full day's work in, in a united way that each and every guy knows how they want to try to win a football game on Sunday because it starts at the top. It's communicated in a way. Um, that is that is clearly defined, like I said, and those guys know exactly what's going to be asked of them. And, and so when the expectations are set high, uh, you work like crazy to, 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 try to try to reach those expectations. But when it when it doesn't happen, it, it, it's very easily uh, easy to understand why it didn't happen. It's normally on you. It's never on that coaching staff. They prepare their guys. Uh, they They work like crazy, and they ignore all the outside noise, however they do it. They put the team first, and, and they work incredibly hard each and every week, like I said. So um, I've tried to take some of those things, uh, remember some of those team meetings, remember some of the, my conversations with Coach, uh, but there, but honestly, there's so much that you can take away as a player or coach um, from the way they operate up there. Kevin, before I let you go, and I thank you very much for the time, i got to ask you, I've asked you about the quarterbacks, but I want to ask you about one running back in particular, Darius Geis. Everybody's waiting to see how he'll look during the regular season. What are your expectations for Darius Geis coming off the torn ACL from last year for this year? You know, first and foremost, we, we wanted him to get healthy, and, and, and he's been able to do that. And, and obviously we were able to get him in there in the third preseason game against Atlanta, um, and, and he showed all of the, the traits that uh, we were excited about when we drafted him a couple years ago. And obviously last year with his – with his injury happening when it did in that first preseason game, uh, which was incredibly un- unfortunate because he was having a great camp and we were very, very excited about him. Uh, you always hope that a guy can regain that confidence and regain um, what they had pre-injury, and I think Darius has been able to do that. He's worked really hard in his rehab um, and throughout the off-season program with our medical staff. And, and, and his coach, Randy Jordan, is excited about him, his running back coach. Uh, we're excited about him as an offense, and I think Redskins fans, uh, should be very excited that we've got him back amongst uh, the other great running backs we have in that room. We feel very strongly about that room right now um, and, and their ability to impact football games on first, second, and third down. Um, be very versatile in the pass game as well. Uh, but, Darius, we're really, really excited about him, and I'm excited uh, for, for him to see all that hard work he's put in the off uh, in the off season and in his rehab uh, come to fruition uh, this Sunday against the Eagles. Well, I'm excited that you took the time to join us. I really do appreciate it, Kevin. It's an honor to finally get the chance to speak with you. Lots of luck in the season opener. Lots of luck in your first season as the offensive coordinator. And, and I'll look forward to seeing you when ESPN travels to the Monday night football game that involves your team later this season. I look forward to that, Adam. Thanks for having me on.
And so there's the Redskins offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, as his team gets ready for Sunday's regular season opener in Philadelphia against the Philadelphia Eagles. Special thanks to Kevin O'Connell. Special thanks to Steve Levy, who will be at the second Monday night game on Monday night. Broncos Raiders with Steve doing the play-by-play. And a special thanks to our friend Rob Gronkowski, who clearly is enjoying his time away from football, however long that lasts. And special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when the NFL regular season will be underway and we'll be in the throes of NFL football. Have a great week, everybody.